we are in a series called Nehemiah, which is based on the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And uh, I just want to reiterate that last week, if you didn't listen to last week, last week is like the kingpin of the entire series. If you don't get last week, if you didn't understand it or you disagree with me uh, uh, as far as last week's sermon is concerned, you will disagree with me for the next five weeks. So uh, last week is kind of a big deal. I'm going to go over it really quickly. Uh, you'll get the gist of it. Um, I, I told you last week it was a little harsh, but I had a bunch of people tell me, ah, eh, it wasn't that harsh. So maybe I should kind of double down a little bit and go after you guys. I don't know. I'll, I'll try and do better. But what we talked about is this idea of seven habits of highly effective people, which you say, John, that's not even in the Bible. I know. Um, but there's this little concept called your circle of uh, concern and your circle of influence. And if you want to biblicize it, which is a word I just made up, put some spiritualness in it. It's basically Jesus saying, he who is faithful with little or she who is faithful with little will be faithful in much. That's basically the biblical concept. And what it is, is this. We all have these concerns. And they can span the gamut. I just put a whole bunch of stuff up there. Shootings, terrorism, politics, uh, Y2K. I went after Y2K a little bit last week. So if you prepped for that. Gangs, uh, millennials. You might be frightened of millennials. I don't know. I could have put boomer, uh, boomers up there. You might be frightened of boomers. Okay. All, all that stuff. Just all the things that we kind of culture tells us to be anxious about, outraged about, interested in. And then, and then what we talked about last week is that for some reason in culture, even with these big things, they only last like two or three days. So there's a shooting and everyone goes nuts and everything's about gun control or not gun control. or blah, 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 blah. And then two days later, we're on to politics, Y2K, whatever it is. And what we talked about is when you do that, when you focus on all these things, when every party you go to and every family event you go to, you're talking about this, no one wants to talk to you. You say, oh, no, they're listening. No, they're being patient. That's what they're doing. And this is what happens to your circle of influence. It just gets really small. Now, these, these are the things we can influence. Our kids, our marriage, our friends, retirement, extended family. Again, I just put these things up there. And what's supposed to happen is as we kind of set those aside for now and we focus on these things, then our circle of influence grows, because we're actually investing in things we can control. One of the things I should have put here right at the center is our personal holiness. I really appreciated your, your prayer request, Gary, uh, uh, on just going, hey, man, my mind, I get angry, I get judgmental. I mean, that, man, that is like, that's the whole sermon of last week, of just like, what's going on with me? Forget about who's in the White House. Like, what, what's going on? Here And so that's where it starts. And then hopefully as you continue to do that, as you continue to invest in all these things, your circle of influence begins to extend into those things. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is uh, last week we talked about Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer to the king, shows up and uh, he finds out that Jerusalem, just real quick, this, ha this was, happened in 600 B.C., and so Nehemiah, cupbearer to the king, the Babylonians had gone into Jerusalem uh, as per God's uh, divine authority. They went in three times, just grabbing people and bringing them to Babylon. The first, uh, the first uh, kind of extraction was Daniel 
Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you know about the Bible, you'll know about that one. Uh, and so then there was two more times. The Babylonians have all the Jews. The Persians come in, take over, and tell the Jews, hey, you can go home, right? And so there's a remnant in Jerusalem, and then people start coming back into Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is in ruins. It's in ruins. And so Nehemiah finds out about that, and it, we, we left with, he, he felt like, man, God has put this thing in, into my into my mind and he prayed and he fasted for four months and what I want to talk to you about this morning is the fact that God I would imagine has given you a vision about your life it might be extending your circle of influence it might be that some of these issues out here have so captured your heart that you're going to get involved in something bigger than yourself to address these things that might be it it might be smaller than that, in, in smaller circle of influence. It might be an addiction that you're finally ready to start handling. It might be a marriage that you say, you know what, enough. Not a divorce, <laughs> enough. We, this isn't the vision God has for our marriage, and you begin to do that. It might be uh, your personal health. You know, you might just be like, hey, you know what? I, I got to get this handled. I got kids. I got grandkids. I got people counting on me. I got to get this handled. It might be a business. It might be whatever. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to ignite this in you. I'm not going to give you ideas of what those visions should be. Some of you, you already have it. And you've been wrestling. You've been doing what Nehemiah did. You've been praying and fasting. Okay? But... What, what we ended up on last week is that when you're, when you're so interested in your circle of concern, you're online, you're in the news, you're every, all these things you can't control, and no one wants to talk to you, this is what happens to your circle of influence. It just shrinks to nothing. And you say, well, oh, I talk to people, they're very interested in what I have to say. That's because you're in a bubble. And you all believe the same thing. And you ramp each other up and you get all excited and you talk about how terrible everything is on your side of whatever the issue is. And then you feel like, hey, we accomplished something and you accomplished nothing. Okay. Uh, I want to share a little bit about a vision that happened to me. And uh, just so we're clear, when I share this vision, it's not that God works in me any different than he works in you. But I just, this was the best example I could bring of something I want to talk to you about this morning. Uh, when I first showed up at Living Spring, um, uh, the campus didn't look very inviting. Uh, and again, for those of you who were here when I got here, this is not you know the whole story, and so uh, it's not like an indictment on them, like they had a terrible facility. It was just that it costs money, and it takes a whole bunch of time to kind of get things up and running. So here, here was our campus when I first got here. These palm trees weren't there, by the way. I just, somebody gave us palm trees, and I just shoved them in the ground because it did something to this campus. Because as you can see, it looks uh, like go away. That's what this campus looks like to me. There's a, I call this a prison fence. It's not really, but I call it that. Everything was locked up. If you can kind of see it, there's an alley that goes down here. For those of you who are new to Living Spring, you're like, that's where the playground equipment is. Yeah, now, <laughs> but it was an alley before. And so you'd tell a newcomer, get your kid. Oh, you're, thank, we're so glad you're here. Take your kids to the dumpster and make a right. 
That's how we tell them to get to children's ministry. Go to the dumpsters, make a right. Sorry they smell. We had a party last night. Okay. So, so this is kind of what it looked like. Um, for the youth, this was the boys' room. Uh, uh, and just to kind of give you an idea, if you, uh, I'll show you the boys' toilet in a minute. But uh, where the children's uh, playground equipment is now, that's the alley. So this is looking from the gate. If you're, if you're new here, you would look from the patio into that. This was the boys' toilet. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, just so we're clear, this is in America. Okay. So just there you go. This was our shower. Um, that, that was our shower. And, um, I think that's a bar of soap. I'm not sure, but, uh, that is nasty. And here's, here's what our, here's what our fellowship hall looked like. You couldn't use it because it was so loud in there. And so we, we put acoustic paneling across the side. So we, we turned it into this. This is what it is now. Now we have furniture in there and, and all that type of stuff. This is what that alley looks like now. Um, the alley's gone, and we have that going on. This is what the boys' bathroom looks like now, a uh, little bit better. I still want to pop some holes into the drywall just for uh, nostalgia. And then when we finished the uh, patio, you can see these tiny trees, right? If you look now, those trees are, are huge. Uh, and so uh, what had happened was, uh, I was talking with another leader, and we had had differing visions of how the church was going to play out, and uh, we were up in the second story window, and we were uh, discussing uh, the future of Living Spring, and I looked out over the patio, and it was like, I know what needs to happen. It was the grass portion with the prison fence, and... Uh, I said, you need to come onto this campus, and it needs to say, you're welcome here. Anybody, especially the community. Like, the children's play equipment should be for our community. They can just come on anytime they want and play on our equipment. And so I, it began, that just began to birth. And the person was still talking about vision, and I, I, I just, I was like, I didn't care. I, it just, this, there was an, like, it ignited in me. And this might be for you too. Like one day you just go, you know what? I'm taking my faith seriously. And you know God has ignited that in you. And you're like, I am ready. I'm ready to handle these situations in my life. I'm ready to handle what's going on. I, I am ready. And so here's the problem with vision. Vision brings with it an aching Vision is what you see now and what you know what it's supposed to look like. So in your marriage, you see what it is now. You have a vision for what it's supposed to look like, and you begin to ache inside. And it's just this godly ache that says, come on, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And you're like, I want to see it now. I wanted to see this. I wanted, to, I wanted to walk down the stairs and do I Dream a Genie, and it just was done. For those of you who are younger, I Dream of Jeannie was a show, <laughs> anyway, that my mom wouldn't let me watch because she was dressed too provocatively. Okay, enough about me. And so you have this ache, you have this thing of like, I, I see where it is now and I see where I want it to go. And so your, your point for this morning that I just want to say is that to let you off the hook on one hand and to put you on the hook on the other, and it's very simple and it's this, my job is what? His job is how. 
My job is what? What what I see for my kids, what I see for my marriage, what I see for my job, or, or the, the, the places that I can influence. Remember, we're only talking about what you can influence. That's why I said it's the kingpin. If you say, oh, I have a vision for America, then run for office, and I don't want to talk to you until you get into office. Okay? I don't care about your vision for America. I care about your vision for the things you can control. And so there's this, there's, this, there's this time. And so my job was what? What are we trying to accomplish at Living Spring? We want to be a place where you can belong first, believe second, and be changed so that you can walk in the fullness and the freedom of what it's like to follow Jesus. That is just it. And so it starts with the campus, which you wouldn't think. Shouldn't it start with a Bible study? Shouldn't it start with memorizing Ephesians? I mean, something big like that, isn't that? No, for some reason, God gave me this vision of it's going to start with our campus. And what we would say all the time is, we want the outside of the campus to look as healthy as the inside of the campus, which is you guys. I wanted people to drive by and go, Man, that looks like a really cool place with cool people in it because it was a cool place with cool people in it. I just wanted it to look that way, and God put that on me. But I couldn't afford it. We got bids. The, everything we did was $650,000, and I only had $620,000 in the bank. I had to come up with thirty. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't have any money. Right? I didn't have any money, but that wasn't my job. How was not my job? That is the Lord's job. What was my job? What is God stirring in me? And this, the time that Nehemiah spent in prayer and fasting was figuring out what. What do I need to do? So that's where we pick up Nehemiah. We're in chapter 2 right now. Nehemiah was a cupbearer, which means he brought wine to the king. And uh, he would taste it first and then uh, to make sure that the king was safe. Now, just real quick, just so you can get inside of my mind. They didn't have a poison that took like three days to kill you. Like, was it really that instantaneous? So I don't even know if it was a good job to have because you'd be fine and then the king would be fine. And then three days later, you're dead and he's dead and it didn't work anyway. That's just my thought. But you're supposed to be happy in the king's presence. They would say things like, you'd walk in and you'd be cheery. I tried to get the staff to do this. No one would do it. Oh, king, live forever. Like, wouldn't that be awesome? Pastor John, live forever. That's so cool. But you and I know that's just lip service, but that's what you were supposed to do. And so Nehemiah shows up, and that aching of his vision showed up outside. This is what's going to happen to you when God gives you a vision for something. It's going to affect you. It's going to drive you to your knees. My job is what his job is how. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad? Boom, boom, boom. Now he's in trouble, okay? And when you are not ill, this can be nothing but sadness of heart, which Nehemiah was not allowed to express to the king. That's what his being home is for. That's what his friends are for, not the king. And watch what Nehemiah says. And this is going to come up as you attempt to accomplish the vision God has given you. I was very much afraid. Fear is not something that proves that what you're doing is wrong or anything like that. When I heard from the Lord, what I felt was from the Lord, that we need to transform our campus, 
I was very much afraid. Because I knew what, but I had no idea how. Zero idea how. It seemed like a fantasy to me. I started playing the lottery. Maybe I could win the lottery, and that would be how. I didn't really, but that's, that's how I was feeling. And that's how you might feel. There might be some, a substance that has been nagging at you month after month after month after month after month, and you go, you know what? Well, God wants me to be free from this, but you have no idea how. It might be a conversation with your boss or with your spouse or with your kids. You might have to walk into the house with your kids and you have a vision for your home and maybe you've allowed some things into the home. Some different things on the internet, some different things you've been streaming, some different things. And God has given you a vision that your house is going to be a, a sanctuary, holy and set apart from the world. And so you have to have a conversation with your kids and you know it's not going to go good because you've been watching that or listening to that or doing that all these years. But God has given you this ache and this vision to go, no, it's going to be different here. And you're very much afraid. That being afraid in this type of thing doesn't mean you lack faith. It means you understand the gravity of the ache of vision. It's very natural. Now watch what it says. I was very much afraid, but. I was very much afraid, but. That means you have this ache from the Lord. You know what you're supposed, you, you know what is supposed to, it's supposed to look like, but you don't know how. So you're going, you're afraid, but you take one more step. And because Nehemiah had been in prayer for four months, because he had been seeking the Lord and seeing if this ache is going to leave, it's not a two-day news cycle for Nehemiah. He heard about Jerusalem. This is an outrage. I hate Babylonians. I hate Persians. We need to drive them out of the world, and then we could have Jerusalem the way God intended. Uh, and then the next day, he's on to, uh, you know, something else. Should I wear a mask around the king or not? I don't know. Whatever it is, right? It's just, just whatever it is. No, this is staying with him. This isn't going away. I was very much afraid, but, he says, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. See, I told you. It's like, whatever. Why should my face not look sad when the city, listen how he knows exactly what is supposed to happen. He's been thinking about it. He's been praying about it. He's been, it's been causing this godly ache. Why should my face not look sad when my city where my fathers uh, are buried lies in ruin and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Like this is what's, this is it. This is what's happening. And for you, it might be something different. Why, why should I not be afraid when my finances are in ruin? I, I, I've, been, I've been unwise with my finances. And God's like, I have another vision for you. And you're like, man, that, I'm, that means I'm going to have to change. I'm very much afraid. But I'm going to take this next step. For some of you, it might be that you end up in a circle. And you're very much afraid. And you say, my name's, my name's John, and I'm an alcoholic. I'm a, I have a drug problem. Whatever it is, it comes out in the open. You're very much afraid, but you call that meeting with your boss anyway, right? That's what he does. And the king says this, what is it you want? This is such a great question. What, what is it you want? I want a healthy marriage. Okay, wh why? What is that? What, what, 
Tell me about that. Process that with me. I mean, it's easy. I mean, if I just said, who wants a healthy marriage? Or, or who wants to be, uh, if you're single, who wants to operate in singleness, you know, in, calmly and just, you know, with wisdom? And everyone would raise their hand. Okay, so why? What is, what is that? Process that with me. And so the king gives him this uh, opportunity. Now watch what he says. Then I prayed to the God in heaven. Now, let me just tell you something about this prayer. This prayer probably lasted three seconds. Maybe five. Okay, you'll see why in a second. But these are the kind of prayers that happen when you, when you have the ache of vision behind you. And they look something like this. Oh God, right? Now, I'm not taking the Lord's name in vain. That is the actual prayer. Oh God, you're calling upon him like this is it. Or it might look like something like this. Here we go. Here we go. It might look something like this. Oh, boy. <laughs> and that's your prayer. Oh, boy. Here it is. It's that next step. I was very much afraid, but I took that step. And now it's beginning to happen. And now you're beginning to have the conversation with your spouse or your kids or your boss or whomever. And it's like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Because here's why I know it didn't last very long. Because he says, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. So if this happens just right after, one after the other. And listen to how specific he is. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. That's it. That's the vision. Now, notice, notice what he doesn't say. King, get your armies and your builders and go fix Jerusalem. It's in your kingdom. You got to take care of it. Why would you have something in your kingdom in a city that looks so terrible? Why don't you go send someone to go do it and, and you know, get, do your job, right? Do your job. No, no, no. So that I can rebuild it. Basically, he's taking all the stuff upon himself. This is so cool. I love when the Bible adds little facts so that your, your mind can kind of really see what's going on. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him. I don't know. I, again, I'm probably reading too much in the Bible, but I wonder if the king would be typically like, nah, we're not going to do that. But since the queen was there, he's like, oh, better show how empathetic I am, you know, how much I really care for the common folk, you know, and Queen Sheila, or whatever her name is, uh, will like me more. I don't know. I just, that was just thrown in there, queen sitting beside him. So he says, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? And then he says, it pleased the king to send me. Oh, man, the vision is beginning to be birthed now. Now, we're going to see next week. This is the exciting part, and then comes the grind. Almost with every vision, there's an exciting part. The funding comes. You come up with a solution, and then the grind of having it play out. It pleased the king to send me. So watch what he does. He has three different things. I put them all here. So I set a time. You know what that tells me? Brother's been thinking about it for a long time. He, he has a plan. And so remember what I said, my job is what, his job is how. In the process of what, I also need to be processing. What, what does this look like? How do I pray? 
what would I pray for the Lord to do? So he set a time. He, he had a time. This is all happening in one conversation. And then he goes, oh yeah, and by the way, if you're still interested, I need letters to the governors. Because I'm just going to show up and I'm going to travel through these lands. And they're going to go, why are you traveling through the land? So if you could get me letters to the governors. Oh, and I also need a letter to this guy named Asaph who, is, uh, who runs the forest. Because I need a bunch of lumber. And what's really interesting, we, we don't have time to get into it, but he says, he has this whole thing of like, I need lumber for the gates, for these columns, and also for my house. Because I'm planning on being there for a long time. Like he has thought this through. It's not just, I'm going to pray and just wait for God to do something. No, he's, he's at it. He doesn't know how yet. Now he's starting to see how, but he knows what. Now listen to what he says. And because of the gracious hand of my, that my God, uh, because, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. He does not lose sight. He's not, he's not counting on the king. He's counting on his heavenly father. You're not counting on your spouse or your kids. You're counting on your heavenly father. You're not counting on your boss. You're counting on your heavenly father. You're not even counting on yourself. You're counting on your heavenly father. So I, I want to just shift one little thing real quick, and then this will prep us for uh, next week, and then I have a little exercise for us as we wrap up that has been really uh, effective for me. So he, all this stuff is going great for him. <laughs> like it's working. Like, maybe you've been to the gym two weeks, like three weeks, like whatever your vision is. It's, it's happening right now. And what ends up typically, at least in my life experience, is that something comes right in the middle of it to challenge you. It might be the enemy, okay? It might, it might actually be demonic forces. That, that could be. That, that's biblical and theological. Most likely what it will be is the impact that he has on culture that has kind of had its tentacles all through culture. That might happen. Um, your flesh might get in the way. This is too hard. I didn't realize it was going to be this hard. Like I, I didn't realize every day I got to like, you know what I mean? It, it might be that. But it will come. It will come. Here's, what, here's how it comes in the uh, way of Nehemiah. Then when Sanballat... Why don't we use this name anymore when naming our kids? You know, <laughs> kick the ball, Sambalit. Okay. The Horonite and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this. They were very much disturbed because they loved the status quo. They had a different vision than the vision that was given to Nehemiah. They had some other thing. They had another power dynamic, another competing idea of how things should be. I promise when you begin to step out and take that, those steps of courage, I was very much afraid, but I was very much afraid, but I prayed to my heavenly father, you will come into opposition. We're going to hit this really hard next week, but it's going to happen. And if you're waiting for God, for the how that he brings, if you're waiting for that to just make smooth sailing, it's probably not the right vision. The right vision almost always involves 
you either waiting longer than you have wanted to wait, doing more than you wanted to do, experiencing more than you wanted to experience, and receiving more conflict than you thought you would be receiving. Almost always. Look through the, just read the Bible. I mean, look at Moses. Look at David. Look at Noah. Look, I mean, just pick, pick Jonah. Well, Jonah kind of did that to himself, but whatever. Again, it might be your opposition is you. My job is what? I have this circle of influence. And usually a godly vision means expanding that a little bit. And so my job is what? And I might look at that and go, there is no way I I can see myself living without this substance, without this pattern in my life, without this uh, way that things have been going. And God says, we can do this. I have the how. You need to move forward. So what we're going to do as the worship band comes back up. I I teach a theology class. And when I say that, I say it very, uh, like, not like a real professor. Like, like, I just happen to know Wesleyan theology. And so I teach this class to pastors that are coming up uh, in our denomination and lay people that are um, kind of stepping out into more and more leadership. And um, one of the things I do uh, in this theology class is at the end, I try to ground everybody back to why we do what we do. Like, I've been called out of business into full-time ministry. To serve Living Spring? No. To, like, do, grow a megachurch? No. No. My job is to serve the Lord. That's where he's placed me to serve the Lord. Same as your job. It's to serve the Lord. In your marriage, in your school, in your place of business, all those. We have the same calling. It's just mine is a little different. Um, And so what I do is I, I write up on the board, on the whiteboard, God. And I say, let's just, just give me some names for God. Just give me some faithful, you know, you know, king, all, all these different things. And so here's what they came up with. This took about, I don't know, 10 minutes. So I don't know if you can see it up there, but there's a bunch of different uh, words. There's uh, revealer, living water, banner, inspiration, foundation, hope, Yahweh, truth, I am, mighty, faithful, shepherd, sovereign, lamb, true vine, chain breaker, master, lion, Lord. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So what we're going to do is something a little different. We're going to end with a song, but we're not going to have the words out. Uh, Tanner and the team is just going to lead us in this song. And you're going to be focusing on this, and I hope you can see it enough. But maybe if you can't see all the words because they're too small, maybe you just pick pick one. Maybe it's just faithful. And you, you say, God, faithful God, what, what would be your vision for me? And maybe you hear from him this morning. And so we just take that time to just focus on one of those words, one of those things. Because this is the God of how. (laughs) You say, how how is he going to fulfill this vision? I don't know, but if if I had to count on somebody, it would be somebody with those names. Right? Faithful, true, warrior, king. I mean, come on. I'm just responsible for what? What I think God has called me to do. He's going to make it happen.
He's going to make it happen. Let me pray for us. We'll leave this up. And, uh, when Tanner's done, we'll come up and give you the blessing. Lord Jesus, these things you have us do, all the way from our personal holiness, all the way to, Lord, maybe, we're, maybe you're calling us to start a business. Maybe, maybe, maybe the circle of concern is how workers are treated in America. And you say to us, why don't you start a business and you treat your worker fairly? You don't marginalize them. A fair wage, health insurance, all these things. Something you can change. Maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's relationships. God, you are the God of how. Would you just tell us what? I'll, uh, if you follow us on Facebook or Instagram, I'll post this today so that you can see it up a little closer and uh, have it throughout the week uh, so that you can take a look. But this God of how, when you see all these words, Again, this was 10 minutes. We're going to have an eternity with him. And uh, so let's let that start now. And so let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we're thankful that you are the God of how. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing holds you back. So Lord, I pray that as we step into the vision that you have for us, Lord, that uh, we would be encouraged by just how powerful you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand for the blessing. We're going to, uh, for those of you who can stay, we're going to try and get started right at uh, 11.30. And again, like I said, we're going to go fast, but we're not going to rush. Uh, just kind of cap off the year and talk about what's coming. we got a few exciting things that are happening next this year, starting after Easter. We're excited about, too. We'll talk about our board and all that kind of stuff. Now, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in His peace, in His strength, and in His boldness. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we'll see you in five minutes.